Thanks for joining us this week on the Rage for Justice Report. I'm Consumer Watchdog's President Jamie Corton. This is where we expose, confront change. We have with us the Executive Director of Consumer Watchdog, Carmen Balmer. Hi, Carmen. Afternoon. We have with us the uh, Litigation Director of Consumer Watchdog, Jerry Flanagan. Hello, hello. And we are very pleased to have with us Kelly Avilas, who is a Public Records Act uh, attorney who's done some really remarkable uh, cases. She's been doing it for over a decade, about 12 years. And Kelly's done cases to make sure, like, the DWP in Los Angeles uh, is fair with the Public Records Act to make sure that the city of Fullerton doesn't sue people who blog it and watch it. She did a very famous case in um, UC Stanislav Slas where um, Sarah Palin's contract was uh, being denied as a public record, and uh, it came out uh, because of Kelly, and the fact is that Sarah Palin, in her contract, uh, demands that she have bendy straws whenever she speaks somewhere. And I, I think that's that's a really remarkable thing to know. The public has a right to know. The public has a right to know. I would like a bendy straw. <laughs> so uh, Jerry and Kelly have been working together on a new case we just filed, and that's what we're going to talk about today. The case is... Um, the uh, Consumer Watchdog versus uh, Insurance Commissioner Ricardo Lara, Department of Insurance. So, Jerry, tell us why, why we're here and what you and Kelly are doing together. Well, this is a lawsuit that's brought under the Public Records Act uh, for records of uh, uh, Insurance Commissioner Ricardo Lara's communications and meetings with insurance company uh, representatives that contributed over $50,000 to the insurance commissioner. Uh, this is all part of a scandal that goes back to the beginning of the Lara administration. And... What's remarkable that in response to our request for public records of his of, of the commissioner's meetings with these in industry representatives, instead of providing the actual calendar, the uh, department took several months to create a new record where they cherry picked certain entries uh, and created a new uh, calendar, whitewashing, scrubbing out the meetings that the um, department didn't want the public to see. We hear from whistleblowers that in fact uh, the commissioner often uses notes in these um, calendars, his actual calendars, that give key information about the events. None of that was produced. In addition to that, uh, there were some other communications provided, but the department withheld a bunch of uh, other documents, communications, didn't say why. So we're suing to get the actual format of the calendar with all the, the what's known as the native format with those notes, any uh, meeting agendas, as well as all the communications that were withheld. And as Kelly can tell you, you know, the Public Records Act is a critical piece of legislation in California to make sure that government officials are held accountable. Transparency is critical. And as we've said throughout this uh, scandal, the public has a right to know what really happened. And Commissioner Lara has the right to be uh, have his name cleared if, in fact, nothing untoward happened. But in order to get to that, we have to actually see the records. And, and that's, uh, Kelly... You know, the scandal, which has gone on for quite a bit of time, was that the commissioner got money from relatives of insurance company executives uh, and made some decisions that helped the companies. What, in, in your view, is, is in this case, you know, really important from the point of view of the value of the Public Records Act? If the Department of Insurance is allowed to do what it's doing, which is revising um, doing its own cliff notes on the calendar rather than producing the actual calendar. Uh, does that does that distort the law? Is that a problem under this law? 
Yeah, it's, I think it's a big problem. I, I mean, the Public Records Act really is, um, you know, people think of it as a kind of a procedural way to get records, but it's more than that. It's really the fundamental basis of our democratic system. So we, uh, at least still today, we believe that the public has a right to be involved in the decision-making process of its government. That's at the local level. That's at the state level. Um, and so the Public Records Act allows us to get the information that agencies have so we can be informed about how they're doing their job. So it's really hard for us as citizens to be able to uh, watch over the way agencies are making decisions, the way they're utilizing public funds, uh, how they're how they're executing their job. If we can't see the records on which those kind of um, decisions are based on, you know, that confirm what kind of actions have been taken. In this case, confirm maybe why certain actions uh, were being taken. If we can't, if we can't see those records, if we can't verify that, we really we're kept out of the communication because we just don't have the kind of information necessary to have an informed, intelligent discussion about the issues. So when we ask for for public records from the Department of Insurance or or any other agency, they're required to look for those records and then tell us uh, what they're going to produce to us, what they're not, and if they're not, why. So there are a number of different exemptions. There's a number of reasons that they could could decide to not produce records, but they're supposed to tell us exactly what that is. And they're supposed to then, um, for example, show us why the public interest in keeping those records secret outweighs the public interest in having those disclosed. Sometimes uh, there are those reasons, but uh, here uh, they won't even tell us that basic information. They won't tell us what's being withheld. They won't tell us why they're withholding. I, I mean, we have no idea whether, you know, a single document's being withheld or thousands of documents are being withheld and, and for what reason. So uh, it, it seems to confirm to me that documents really are being withheld improperly uh, because if they had a, a, a justifiable basis, then you would, you would think that they would just let us know what that is. Carmen, you, you are, uh, it's interesting, your reaction when the department says, well, but we put our calendars online, and you're like, you do? Because this was, until we had filed this request, they, they said, we're not going to give you any calendars. And then after the scandal grew, they said, oh, we're going to give them to you, and we waited and waited, and then they didn't really give us the calendars. But the response recently is, we put the December calendars. You recently took a look at those calendars. Tell us what you found. They're, they're, they're really pretty embarrassing, and it, and it, and it would make any member of the public scratch their head about whether or not this commissioner really wants to be transparent because uh, when the commissioner's office responds to this uh, lawsuit for the commissioner's calendar by saying, oh, no, no, we already put those online, come to find out that the only calendar entries that the commissioner has put online are his meetings outside of the department at, at public events. So he has a list of 10 meetings for the month of January. And it tells you that he went to Butte County to talk to homeowners in Butte County about the wildfire insurance crisis. But it doesn't tell you which insurance companies he met with before that meeting or after that meeting or the next day after that meeting about the same exact crisis. So what the commissioner has done is create a whitewashed description of his events that only makes him look good and has hidden the rest from view. And that's really what this lawsuit is about. And the, the one thing I wanted to just bring into this is the historical context, which is that Commissioner Laura is an elected insurance commissioner. 
and he's an elected insurance commissioner because Proposition 103, which the voters passed back in 1988, made the position an elected, not an appointed post. And that's because appointed insurance commissioners were usually coming from the insurance industry, returning to the insurance industry after they left office, and were beholden to the insurance industry while they were in office. So the public created an elected commissioner so he would be accountable to them. That's the reason this Public Records Act request is so important, because the public needs to know if this elected commissioner is answering to insurance companies or the public interest. Well, it's interesting because one videotape uh, uh, from a phone that became public by Politico, obtained in public, showed the commissioner when he was meeting behind the closed doors with 300 general counsels of insurance companies, um, basically said, unlike the last insurance commissioner, I'm going to be a really good friend to you in the office, and here's all the things I'm going to do. So when he was caught off the record, um, you know, he was very candid, but he's being much less candid than he should be here. Uh, Kelly, what do you think our chances are with this case? You've done a lot of Public Records Act cases. Um, you know, if you, ha, what do you think? What do you think a judge should do? Let's say you're you're a judge. Well, uh, that would be wonderful, but um, so far nobody's seen it fit to make me a judge. Um, <laughs> but uh, clearly, the the first thing that needs to happen is the judge should order them to tell us what exactly it is that they're withholding and give us enough information about each document they're withholding and why they're withholding it so that we can go through line by line and and challenge those or say, yes, you've, you've properly withheld them. Once we get to that point and we've narrowed down the documents that, that are at issue, um, I think the court should force them to turn over the documents they've improperly withheld and that they're, uh, you know, they can't substantiate any kind of exemption for. And then they should make them turn over the actual calendars uh, without um, this idea that you could create some kind of new record that only shows people what you want them to see. The whole point of the CPRA is that you can verify what actually happened, not just not just get regurgitated information from public officials about what they want you to know. Jerry, do you hope to uh, first depose uh, some of the people involved in the making of these calendars? And then also, what do you hope when we see these calendars, what type of information you'll know that enlightens us all. You know, there were a couple of news organizations that submitted Public Records Act requests and got the same type of response we did, not the native calendar. So what do you think this is going to, first of all, are we going to get some uh, people who work with the commissioner and the commissioner on the record in a deposition? And two, what are we going to get out of this for the public interest? Yeah, for the first step in the discovery <coughs> is to uh, uh, serve some requests for admission, requests for document production, Get find out what their uh, procedures are inside the department for responding to Public Records Act requests, get all the communications about our requests, what they are talking about internally, um, as well as uh, uh, um, get them to answer questions about whether or not this is the native format and what the actual calendar looks like. And once we have those answers, we'll find out who is in charge of keeping track of these records, and then we'll depose those individuals to get uh, more information about what they're holding. Are we going to get the commissioner uh, deposed? I, he's on the list. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, the only, one of the only two documents he turned over, Carmen. Well, that that's really that's really critical. I think that maybe it, it it puts a fine point on what exactly kind of information we're looking for here. It's not obscure. It's not a fishing expedition. We asked the commissioner, in addition to his calendars, to provide any communications he and members of his staff had with the insurance company and insurance executives involved 
uh, with the company who was giving him campaign contributions. And we specifically asked for the commissioner's communications, and we got two responses. An email to Jamie Court, president of Consumer Watchdog. That's me. (laughs) That's you. And a text message not provided from the commissioner's phone, but provided by a staff member at the Department of Insurance who had texted Commissioner Laura. So they would have us believe that Commissioner Laura never sent an email, never received an email, never sent a text message or received a text message about the insurance company or executives involved in this case. And it is it boggles the mind to believe that's true. If the court uh, uh, agrees with us in this in this lawsuit, requires the department to produce those records, and there's still nothing, well, maybe then at least the public would have a reason to believe it. For now, it's unbelievable. I also noticed that one of the entries in the calendar, one of the few about lunches he had with people, was was one where I was happening to be sitting in a restaurant with someone else and saw him. And I didn't realize the time he was there with his fundraiser who who was recently fired because of the scandal, Dan Weitzman, and a couple other people. And he put that in the calendar. But I, 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 maybe because he remembered seeing me there, we saw each other and talked. But it, it, I think it's, it, it's, it's definitely a selective memory. Kelly, this goes to the heart of personal communications and what elected insurance commissioners or elected officials or appointed officials say are personal. A couple of years back, we were all involved in trying to get covered California's the board members' emails, and it turned out kind of like Hillary Clinton. She all, they all had their private email servers. They all used Google. And there was a big case pending at the time. Uh, or in the city of San Jose about whether public officials, private emails are public records. So where are we stand on that now? That that case has been decided, right? Yeah, that's been conclusively established that, of course, uh, no matter how you communicate about uh, public business, that uh, whether it's on a personal device, whether it's uh, on a public device, it doesn't really matter. Uh, Those are all publicly disclosable communications. There's a uh, a case from many, many years ago, and it um, when it talks about what's public and what's not, uh, it says really only the on, only conceivable type of record that that could be uh, personal in the context of a public records act is something like you know sending a, a shopping list from home to your work computer. That when we talk about personal communications, that's what we mean. We don't mean um, communications that are uh, directly related to your job, how you got it, um, (laughs) what you're supposed to be doing in it. Those kind of uh, communications are obviously public record and and should always be disclosed no matter how how they were handled. I think a lot of organizations had, uh, while that question was still pending, had used that kind of strategy uh, where they didn't create public... uh, public email addresses for their uh, board members, um, sometimes even employees, uh, in hopes that they would find a loophole uh, to disclosure, but they, um, the Supreme Court closed, closed any chance they had of making that happen. So thanks to the California Supreme Court. Thanks to you, Kelly. Thanks to you, Jerry, for upholding the integrity of public transparency. And thanks to you, Carmen, for fighting all the battles you did. So thank you all for joining us on this week's Rage for Justice report, where every week we expose, confront, and change. You can uh, download uh, the podcast and subscribe at all the usual places, SoundCloud, uh, iTunes, uh, Google Play, and come join us next week. I'm Jamie Court. I'm the president of Consumer Watchdog. And with me has been Carmen Balber, the executive director, Jerry Flanagan, and Kelly Avilas. Thank you all. <laughs>